What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chav. This is episode number 146. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Not too much. I'm rarely this excited for a format farewell. <laughs> Get this junk out of here. It has been quite a while since we've been excited, extremely excited anyway, to say goodbye to, to a format. But here we are. Before we do say goodbye, of course, the usual housekeeping. Check out the Discord if you're not already in it. It's the best place to be to chat all things aficionado draft uh what's the picks your drafts in general trophy decks all sorts of stuff like that jump in the discord for all that of course you can also use the discord to post listener questions which we'll use to answer in our listener question of the week segment the link to the discord is in the episode description as well as on our twitter page and if you'd like to support the show directly you can do so on patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod huge huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week we love you guys if you do want to support the show, you'll get access to perks like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings, and our Draft Chef Hero cards signed by us and sent out to you with a, a thank you card. And again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft pod. All right, on to our crack draft type thing this week. Well, we're saying goodbye to one. So yes, we have one final one crack and draft. Pack one, pick one, it looks like. What do we have, Ben? Let's just run through this. Incisor glider. Yeah, it's a card. <laughs> uh, you could play it. Is it exciting? No. Vraska's Fall, not great with all the uh, tokens running around. You could usually just you know sack one of those to this. Complete Devotion. This is a pretty good combat trick. Uh, I drafted an awful lot of these. If you're playing toxic stuff, then yeah. Uh, when the, you get to draw a card off this, it's pretty great. Adapt the Spore Singer, no. Fleshless Gladiator. Corrupted Decks could play one, but... You really want your two drops to have toxic, so no. Barb Batterfist, there's a card. All right, yeah, probably the first one I'm kind of happy picking <laughs> at this point, right? Like, uh, really just miserable to pick any of these other cards first pick. Yeah, Complete Devotion doesn't go in every white deck. This one goes in every red deck, at least. There's also Vivisurgeon's Insight. Man, I wish this was the format for this card. It really just wasn't, though. Five out of draw three proliferate, that's a pretty U card. It, it sounds like something that you should like, but uh, not in this set. Lean and Lightbringer. Nope. <laughs> Icarus Spit Basilisk. Whatever. Just a mediocre toxic card. Lattice Blade Mantis. I mean, this is probably like probably has the highest uh, like games uh, like games in deck win rate uh, just because like the red green decks would usually play a handful of these uh, and it's, it's a good oil card. Yeah, this one's fine. Yeah, the red green decks are pretty much always happy to have this card. It fits in just about every green deck, too. So um, kind of like the Batterfist, this is another one that's just a pretty safe pick. But they don't really go in the same decks. Yeah, that's all the commons. <laughs> so Batterfist, I guess. I mean, you want as many two drops as you can get in this format. Yeah, I'd probably just go with the Batterfist here. Mantis, you'll probably see again. Maybe not this Mantis in particular, but like they do get past. And uh, I'd rather rather start off with the one of these potentially high upside um, aggro cards. That said, I feel like this back is pretty indicative of this format. I mean, they're just kind of <laughs> meh. Nothing that I am excited about. Uh, let's take a look at the uncommons. Here's one that, in theory, you could get excited about, but <laughs> you'd, uh, it wouldn't work out well for you. Timio's Logbook. The artifact payoff. This should be three mana uh, for an artifact that says tap, pay, pay a blue, tap, draw a card. It could be that cool. Uh, just not that kind of set, sadly. There's a Bilious Skull Dweller. That's the one mana, one, one, death touch, toxic one. Is it the best card in the pack so far? I think so. Uh, I don't love playing black in yes. this format, but yeah, black, white, toxic, you know, you can do that. It's, it's one of the better vectors to be in. And then we've got a prosthetic injector. That was the equipment. Gave a thing 0-2 and toxic 1 with equipped for 1. 
just whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is a fine card. This one on paper like looked really good. I, I remember thinking early in the format that this was going to be one I was going to be excited about because it's 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 rare that we see a low costed equipment that has a low equip cost that actually does something that's relevant. I mean, the plus yeah. the plus O plus two thing isn't that relevant, but giving some some other creature toxic whenever you want to is actually kind of relevant for one mana. This still just wasn't that effective of a card in this format. <laughs> You'd just much yep. rather be doing other things. Let's see if our rare is any better than the rest of this junk pack. It's Malkator Purity Overseer. That's the one white blue one one ETV make a three three golem. And that at your end step, if you made uh, three or more artifacts this turn, you get into the 3-3. Three, three. I've never seen this triggered, the second ability. It, it, it's probably triggered like three times in the whole format. What, what do you have to do to actually get three artifacts at the same time? Like Charge of the Mites plus an artifact creature or like cast Charge of the Mites for the tokens both times? Maybe like Basilica Shepherd plus a cheap artifact creature? Like This just seems basically impossible to trigger. This is functionally a hard to cast three mana one one that makes it three three which is pretty good but it's hard to cast and it's in colors you don't exactly want to be in <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's not in the toxic vector it's in the artifact vector and blue white artifacts is a solid vector just yeah I, I don't think the, the 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 value of this card i don't think the vector strength is worth taking something that's a little hard to cast i think i'm probably on the skull dweller just w- w- what a dull pack <laughs> Yeah, this is, and and again, I, I think the, yeah, I, I just, I'm kind of at a loss for words. Yeah, Skull Dweller, and you just, you're sad, and you pass a pack and hope you get past things that are going to work in the black-white toxic vector and just get on with the draft. There's only so many drafts like this you can do before you start getting bummed out, you know? Yeah. Hey, at least we didn't open a mirror in safe house. <laughs> That's true. That would have been a pretty fitting final crack draft. Uh, that or one of the other many junk rares. I mean, this one you could at least play and not be embarrassed about casting, but a lot of the rares in this format, yeah, you don't actually want to cast them. All right. With that, on to Fairy Tibble. This is a Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. Ben, what's going on? Not too much. Had some uh, some bad beats at the Arena Open. Man, I posted. Wait, you mean in you Discord. didn't win the Arena Open? Wow. <laughs> All right, I'm out of here. <laughs> well, I'll hold on so. to that one for a little while. <laughs> All right, I had pretty high hopes going in, uh, and to be fair, I had the win rate to back it up, but. Uh, man, yeah. if you want to skip my bad beats, listener, just skip about a minute forward. Uh, so I start off really sick green-white deck. My favorite colors in this format, tons of clue generation, all the good humans. Uh, I had Seasons Past in my deck. I had Bruna. I had the, the Sage of Ancient Lore, the werewolf that draws you a card. I had plays where I would intentionally kill my own werewolf of Ancient Lore uh, and, and like let it trade off and then bring it back with Bruna to draw another card. Just really disgusting stuff. Uh, except I start off win my th- first three matches super easily. Didn't drop a game. 6-0 start. My fourth match comes around. I'm up against a pretty mid blue white spirits deck. I win the first game. I'm like, all right, locked for day two. This is my first bullet. This is awesome. And then, then everything turned around. I, I kept ripping lands off the top. I had a, a rough mulligan. Uh, my opponent had a bunch of things that tapped. They had that, that, uh, card that, it's like one in the white or one in the blue tap two creatures and it has flashback for the other one tap two creatures and they, they just tapped on all my stuff and I just kept ripping lands and they kept ripping kill spells and man it happened two games in a row it, it felt so bad my it, it probably was in like the bottom five percent of 
like ways my deck could have played out in, in both of those. And that, that felt bad, but still had a pretty cool day. Went to a cool art show with some friends in New York. Tried it a few times when I got back from that, but uh wasn't meant to be. So call it there. Uh, got to do a mystery booster draft in this past week. That was pretty cool. Opened a, uh, an Eldrazi monument or whatever that thing is called. The uh, It's like five mana artifact. All your creatures get plus one, plus one flying and indestructible. That's a, that's, that's pretty good, actually. In limited. Sweet. I think that's, yeah, that's that's about it. I'm probably a little ill. I think, think I might have a sinus infection. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, you might be hearing I'm actually at home right now. My low quality mic. I think it's fitting for a low quality format, right? Wow. Yeah, I guess so. I don't think this mic is that much worse quality than your other one. I think you're, they're they're kind of close. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, we, we'll be happy to have you back on your regular setup next week. So what's up with you? Uh, all right, I'll start with my table as well. So the church that I attend usually does this massive Easter egg hunt every year for the town that I live in, uh, totally free for people who are attending. And then we have a ton of volunteers, but it's massive. They like rent out a whole like football field and they like Hmm. hide eggs and stuff. And it runs from seven in the morning until 5 PM. So it's like a whole day. Like people can sign up for their time slots. Tons of kids come through and it's a great time. People love it. Yeah. And it's awesome. There are games and stuff too. It's not just like a go find some eggs and leave. Um, really, really awesome opportunity. And the team that puts this whole thing together is incredible. They spend so much time and effort putting it together. And so I was, I was signed up to serve for the, the seven to 12 time slot. And so the night before I wasn't feeling great, I went to bed at eight 30 in the, in the evening. Right. So relatively early, I woke up at five 30, get ready, take the dog out, still feeling kind of under the weather. And then I get a text message that the whole thing was canceled due to weather at about six 30 in the morning. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Like I was thinking about the people who put the whole thing together. I was like, that sucks. But hey, if it's really bad weather, like obviously kids aren't going to want to run around and parents aren't going to want to have their kids running around in like the middle of a thunderstorm. Makes but sense. Then, like, but then like 12 p.m. rolls around and it's 70 and sunny. <laughs> Just a beautiful day. <laughs> and I felt so bad. Um, and I was walking with my dog around town. I took her for a long walk and I heard people say like, well, we were going to take the kids to the Easter egg hunt. But like then it got canceled. And I was like, Just like around town. Walking Man. around town. Yeah, it was really sad because uh, it's something that that everybody really looks forward to every year and there's no rain date so um just kind of didn't happen see uh, maybe you, you it should have just been held in the thunderstorm just on hard mode you know it's just <laughs> well so last year last year though we kind of did that like i i was there for the first like the first uh time slot as well and we got hailed on and it still happened yikes <laughs> uh um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why they canceled this year, but hey, it happens. Um, my Teferi is that the weather is flattening out. We're starting to get more like consistent weather, at least temperature wise from day to day, like mid 50s, low 60s on average. And then it looks like tomorrow it's actually going to spike into like the 70s. But on average, it seems to be flattening out, which I'm thankful for because my sinuses can't handle the the big swings back and forth. Mm-hmm. Also, I've I've I don't know if I've explicitly said this, but I've kind of taken like a bit of a break from drafting over the last like little while, even with Sir out, like I haven't really gotten to it. Um, might get back to that. I'm pretty excited to get back into maybe a little bit of Sir as that's rounding out. And then um, definitely with uh, March and the Sheen, I'm pretty excited to see what this format looks like because it's a wonky one. Yeah, honestly, I haven't missed much, especially with one. If Sir wasn't out right now, I probably would be <laughs> not doing it at all. Maybe tinkering with the cube or uh, just drafting in paper with friends. That said, I did build a, a new commander deck or a net deck, like built one online. I haven't purchased the cards yet, but um, Ooh. love tinkering with uh, with new commander decks. So Sweet. All right, on to our listener question of the week. This week, our question comes from Calcifer 
in the Discord. And Calsfer says, hey, I think of Dune Mover as a great way to mulligan fewer hands. Prophetic Prism less so, but still applies. What are other ones in the format? So other cards yeah, in the format that you see in your hand and you're just like, well, I'm not mulliganing. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I, I feel like this is a, a big part of what makes formats good <laughs> is having some sort of uh, mana screw protection. Uh, I mean, any any card that can help you get out of the... I mean, I, I drew red and white cards in my opener, but I only have mountains in my opening hand type of draw. Uh, specifically in this format, Prophetic Prism and, and Dune Mover are the two big ones. Dune Mover being the better of the two. Uh, Mere Convert, I think, is actually better. Uh, pretty similar. Uh, it doesn't, you know, give you a land, but it actually ramps you instead. So that, that's pretty strong. Plus, it's, it's just a good little toxic body. Uh, to a far less extent, Zenith Chronicler. That's the rare 3-1 you can you draw i think it's whenever someone casts a multicolored spell it doesn't trigger that often but their opponents draw a card uh this is just in the fact that it is colorless i, I think that's all that was in this format specifically but we love seeing these in all formats um think like learn where you can go get environmental sciences that could get you out of a potential screw uh foretell was a way to use mana early uh, in like a generic sense uh and then maybe you could foretell something on two if you didn't have a castable two drop and then you top deck that needed land on three, then you can cast a cheap one. Uh, cycling does this too, uh, especially generic cycling. Um, the colored ones, uh, they can sometimes run into problems with this that, you know, <laughs> I mean, if you, if you don't have the mana of the casting, you probably don't have the mana of the cycle them. And uh, basic land cycling actually is making a return next set. It looks like uh, every single color has a, like a six or seven mana basic land cycler to both mitigate this type of thing early and have something to do with it late. Uh, other ones that come to mind, um, th there's kind of this like imaginary cycle of three mana colorless things that either draw you a card or uh, go get like a basic of some kind. Some of these would include Farfinder, uh, the Ikoria version, Skyscanner, which shows up all over the place, uh, draws you a card uh, instead of getting your land, but that still helps. And uh, what am I forgetting? Spotter Thopter? No. Uh, Pilgrim's Eye. Pilgrim's Eye. Yeah, that one. Uh, all these can really help. Uh, just make sure you're hitting your land drops and also fixing your mana. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add there. I think uh, in general, we see these kind of happen in either in a specific card. So something like the Mirror Convert that, that Ben mentioned might just be a, a mana dork in that way or something that lets you fetch a card. Or we see them in mechanics like Cycling or Fortell. And the sets that tend to have these built into mechanics tend to be far more enjoyable than the sets that rely on a handful of cards to do this just because if it's a mechanic it's generally more widespread through the for, uh, through the set and so they're easier to pick up in this case we've got a couple of like meh to mediocre cards that we're like kind of not even looking to play in uh, in general regardless and so you feel a little bit bad putting them in your deck but if you need them um well you've got to find them so with that let's just jump into our main topic this week we are saying farewell to Phyrexia, all will be one. This is the one format farewell. Made a few little changes this week, but if you're new to the format farewell episode, this is where Ben and I will award Chaffee awards to cards throughout the set for various topics. So why don't we kick it off here with our first Chaffee most powerful card? Yep. Uh, this set, it's been, a, it's been a great time. Really been enjoying it. Sad to see it goodbye. Uh, but uh, the most powerful card is Archangel Avison. I'm really going to miss casting oh, this um, one. Then uh, that's... No, that's that's from Sir. Oh, right. We got to talk about this other junk. Um, I don't know, Miglaz or something. <laughs> you could open Shieldred <laughs> in this in this set, right? I guess it's just Shieldred. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> no, honestly, it's probably yeah. Miglaz. Um, 
uh, just a, a three mana four four. The best decks in the format were cast in this, and you can never block it. It was hard to kill. It, it, it's Miglas, but whatever. Yeah, uh, a close second was Cinder Slash Ravager, but just purely mm. based on like games played win rate. But um, yeah, I think Miglas was pretty far and away the most powerful card in the set. Now. We've we've done a Chaffee for the most powerful card in a set for a long time, but we thought it'd be fun to add in a new Chaffee. The award for the least powerful card in the set. This is the worst of the worst. Casting this will actively harm you in most cases. Uh, for me, I've got Encroaching Mycosynth because this turns all of your stuff into artifacts, which means it can be hit by disenchants. Like uh, there was that two drop uh, Canker Bloom that could do it or a couple of the other disenchant type spells. I don't know, cast this, turn your bomb into an artifact and then have them <laughs> answer it for like one mana. Yeah, and it doesn't do a whole lot else for you. My my uh, my my chaffy for least powerful card is going to Mirren's safe house because not necessarily casting this puts you behind. I mean, in this set, like casting it is, is bad, but putting it in your deck is just even worse. Like you just do not put this card in your deck. Well, I, I guess you could say it does hurt you. I mean, it, this thing gains all the activated abilities of lands in your graveyard. So if you had one of the uh, the tap uh, pay two sack to draw lands, you could pay four mana to draw a card. After the three mana you paid to well, cast the safe house. Well, yeah, yeah. So it's like all right. It's like it's a, it's just a bunch of mana to draw a card. You know, yeah. it's, it's colorless. You know, that's like four four mana cycle. Where we just saying that's right. pretty good. But like, well. <laughs> It's not, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Right. So moving on, um, Chaffee for most annoying card. Yeah. I've got crawling chorus for this one. When your opponent had this and you look down in your hand and you kept the hand that maybe doesn't have a, a good two or three drop, or maybe worse, your two or three drops have one toughness crawling chorus is going to wreck you. I mean, they were going to get corrupted. Um, they were going to be able to turn all their other stuff and then eventually I mean, they would just sack this or something and that'd be it. it. One of the most annoying things to see on turn one in any format. Yeah. Um, card for me that was most annoying was evolving adaptive specifically when I see it on turn one. Yeah. Yeah. True. Very similar to the cor- to the crawling chorus. Like if you see this on one and your opponent had played like a forest and then they untap and play a mountain, you're just like, well, I lose the game. <laughs> like I need removal or I'm just going to lose because this adaptive will outpace me. Yeah, similar to the uh, that, that one little goblin that gets like XO where X is the oil counters on it. I don't even care oh, what, whatever fusling, it was called. Yeah. The Fusling, yeah, Exuberant Fusling. Next up, we've got our Chaffee for the best jank. The the stuff that maybe looks like it shouldn't work, but it does. What have you got? Definitely Axiom Engraver. This little guy was like not something we've really had too high in our format breakdown. We, I mean, it, we recognized it as a card that was going to be playable and something that you probably would want in your red decks, but it was a linchpin in a lot of red decks. Like the ability to just remove an oil counter, discard a card, draw a card, get that sort of engine going and also have the ability to put more oil counters on it through the decks that were going to play this card anyway. This thing turned into a nice little engine for two mana, and it was a 1-3, so it could block pretty efficiently. Just did a lot more work than we really expected it to. Yeah, and the fact that you usually wouldn't want to take that last oil counter off it in case you could proliferate it later meant that this was an oil counter that stuck around for a while just by nature. Uh, And kind of by accident, people would then find the benefits of having extra oil counters on your stuff. Uh, Cinder Slash Ravager, for, for example, wants you to have more oil counters on your things, or the Oil Gorger Troll. So... Uh, yeah, no, this one just really fit a nice niche in the format. Uh, that That's my pick, too. All right, next up is our Chaffee for Chaffiest Chaff. This is a card that would be that we found was really good and limited, probably just never going to see play anywhere else. Man, I feel sad about this one. It's got to be Urbrask's Forge. 
this is never going to see play anywhere, but it was almost unbeatable in this set. <laughs> Probably one of the best, uh, yeah. best pack one pick ones. Oh yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal rare in this format. I agree. I don't think I expect to see it anywhere else. It's a little slow for like most of the older constructed formats at three mana, just making a one, one, like really not what you want to be doing, but maybe it shows up at some point in standard. I could see this as like a weird sort of top end for like an aggro burn deck, but yeah, I've seen some white decks in standard, you know, sideboarding in Skrelv's Hive against control for, for similar reasons. Except Skrelv's Hive, you get to keep the thing that you make every turn. And it costs yeah. two instead of one. And it has additional upside. I don't know. Oil is a, what they call a parasitic mechanic. And it's it's like native to this set and it's never going to show up anywhere else. I mean, the Phyrexians just got wiped. Spoiler alert. But <laughs> I don't think we're going to see any Phyrexian oil for a very long time. So all these cards that care about or rely on oil, it's not like they're going to get future cards in the next couple sets that, that buff them up. Well, except maybe on Ixalan. Maybe a... Uh, Maybe some dinosaurs get converted. I don't know. <laughs> we shall see. Next up, we've got a new inclusion for our Chaffees. We've got the Chaffee for, uh, whoops. <laughs> the whoops Chaffee uh, is a, a card that we got the most wrong in the breakdown. I'm going to toss out Watchful Blister Zoa. We were both pretty excited about this one. I, I mean, little did we know casting a six drop four, four flyer was probably the, the easiest way to lose in this format. Um, one of the worst things you can do. Yeah. Yeah. This looks like it'll be at home in the next set where, you know, big yeah, stuff yeah. is happening all the time, but nope. That's that's true. It does look like the next set's going to support big, big beefers, but uh, this one didn't. And we got too excited by big blue card that draws cards. So <laughs> yeah, my entry for the whoops Chaffee was cacophony scamp. I remember being really high huh. on this card, like way too high on it in uh, during the format breakdown thinking it was one of the better cards in red and i think you know in hindsight i picked the wrong scamp but um, yep yeah it, it was still a fine card but it, it was definitely one that i was way too high on yeah yeah <laughs> i mean credit where it's due we, we we did get other things right maybe we should include a chaffee for that too but we already kind of covered that in our uh our draft shaft hero didn't we yeah next up is our chaffee for top drafted commons there's a bit of a discrepancy here between mine and Ben's because I stopped drafting this format after four drafts. <laughs> yeah, I should have stopped around then, but uh, <laughs> no, uh, my, my top drafted common, my chaffy for this, Sawblade Scamp, 44 copies. Uh, then Zealot's Conviction at 40 and Basilica Shepherd, which I'm pretty proud of at 37. I finished with a solid game win record of uh, 58%, 20, no, 228 and 161. Uh, and then a match record of a little below 57.8%, 13 trophies out of 62 events, not too shabby, but you know, it's whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, I, like I said, I did four events, zero trophies. I had a 912 record both in games and matches because I didn't play any best of three. And uh, that comes out to a 42.9% win rate. Not something I'm super happy about, although incredibly small sample size. And obviously those yeah. were my worst four drafts because it was early in the format when I did them. But that said, um, my top commons drafted were actually a tie, a three-way tie between Forge Hammer Centurion with five copies, Barbed Batterfist with five copies, and Axiom Engraver with five copies. So I'm not entirely hmm. embarrassed of my top drafted commons list. No, but, those are pretty um, respectable. Yeah, I think I was getting there. I had I was getting the hang of it, but uh wasn't something I wanted to stick with. <laughs> now, our Chaffee for the worst bad card to lose to. What have you got? Oh gosh, there are so many. Uh, I kind of just decided to default to the battle chair because I did actually lose to that card once. <laughs> and it feels heinous to lose to that card, but 
there are a lot of cards in this format that I'm just like, really? Yeah. I, I mean, the battle chair is one that feels like it should be able to answer pretty effectively right away or just kill them before they even get to cast it. Uh, what was it like six man of the cast seven to equip or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Uh, I felt pretty bad losing the Meldweb Strider a couple times. That was the five mana blue vehicle that came in with oil and you could remove oil to crew it. Weirdly enough, that five toughness was pretty hard for some of the more aggressive decks to get through. And if you didn't have like a death toucher or like a way to get it. Also, the fact that it dodged sorcery speed removal just because of, you know, the fact that it's a vehicle and they could activate it during combat. Yeah, that was a that was annoying to get to get bricked by that. I think I lost to a cutthroat centurion once. That was the three mana two two. uh nerfed nantuko husk the sacrifice outlet that gets plus two plus two and you sack another thing i mean it just doesn't do it just doesn't fit with the set at all like it's just not at all what the set is about there's not a single vector that it slots into and that's like a thing that's like a a vector we've seen like we've pretty similar cards to that in the draft draft cube for our sacrifice decks but it's just just whatever Uh, i also wrote down big green thing i don't really know what i was referring to oh oh i know it must have been like the seven mana like six seven or whatever that thing was or like six mana, five, six. I, I don't know what it was called. It was one that had toxic six, but I guess I could also be referring to any big green thing like Zolprindel, Hunger Dominus. Um, it, it feels bad to lose to anything because then that means if you were playing a, a, like a fast white deck, which I usually was, to be honest, uh, I just didn't get there fast enough. Next up is pet card. So not the card that you most want as a pet that's coming, but, but your pet card <laughs> for the format. Yeah, I've got Phyrexian Vindicator. White, 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 white. Really scared a lot of people away, but I'm no coward. So uh, I got to cast that one a handful of times. I think I drafted it twice and obviously had it in our pre-release deck, which was awesome. Uh, I found that it got passed a lot. And when it got passed to me, I was always happy to take it. Didn't you open like four of those at pre-release between (laughs) prize packs and everything? I think we opened four of them. Yeah, we got at least two or three in our prize packs. I've got them in my binder right now. I think only one was the sweet alt art one, but... Still, I don't know. Maybe I'll make a cool mono white casual deck or something. Uh, also, a pet card I want to shout out, Nahiri the Unforgiving. Uh, this one also got passed around. I don't think... <laughs> all right, hot take. I think I think most people didn't know how to use her. I, I think like, they, they, they were too intimidated uh, or, dare I say, not big brain enough to, to cast and use Nahiri properly. But I don't know. I thought Nahiri was a really cool uh, one-card challenge. Uh, and if you built a deck around her, then you got to do some really, really cool things. She could almost act like a whip of Erebos if you built the deck properly. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, again, maybe people out there also cracked her. I'm not going to say no one else figured it out, but I did. <laughs> I do think this was a set that was the first set in quite a while where I felt like the Planeswalkers were really interesting. I mean, I guess ex- yeah. excluding like the Eternal Wanderer, she was pretty much just throwing your deck and player. But yeah, the other, the other, uh, all pretty much all the other Planeswalkers in this set really required a little bit of thought to get ticking. And once once you figured it out, you're like, oh, all right, yeah, let's do mm-hmm. this. Yeah, that's um, true. They were a lot less just like plug and play, and I like that a lot. I think they were a little more creative this this set with the Planeswalkers. Uh, that said, my pet card for this set was probably Glistener Seer. I drafted a ton mm. of those. I'm actually surprised that wasn't in my top drafted cards, and I love that card. Like, I used it very effectively. I hate blue in this format, but the blue decks that I did draft, you definitely wanted to have some of these early on so you could really get your uh, get your engines going, make sure you're not drawing lands when you don't need to and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big fan of that card. Also, Kaito. I found Kaito to have a really fun play patterns. Oh, um, oh yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Next up, another new category here. 
this one inspired by a single moment. <laughs> uh, the Banhammer Chaffee. Uh, what card would the format be better without? We're going to put on our game design hats and, and say not just cards that annoyed us, but cards that we genuinely think would be uh, would lead to an improved format if they weren't included. I went with White Sun's Twilight. I, I think that really just encapsulates that awful feeling when a single card invalidates everything that has been done before in the game. And uh, there really, I can't think of other instance, maybe back since like, I don't know. I hate to say dream trawler. I hate to be that guy, but white sun Zenith felt like, or white sun's twilight rather felt like, all right, well, all the cool plays that I made before this, all the interesting things, all the lines that I took, none of that actually mattered. (laughs) All my opponent had to do was count the seven, uh, set X equal to five and that's it. Yeah, that's fair. I think, I think that's probably the actual deserving recipient of this Chaffee. My answer was Thrun, uh, maybe governed mm. a little more by emotion than logic, but <laughs> Thrun, Thrun was actually a card that I felt would, would hit the battlefield and it happened early enough in the game. I mean, if your opponent could drop this on five, you were really pressed to try to find a way to get rid of this thing. And while there were ways to do it, and I think it was actually a more manageable card than a lot of people gave it credit for at the very beginning of the format, it's still one that was like, oh, I, I just can't, I can't beat this. And like, I lost a run in the, in the, um, PTQ that we played hmm. and I looked at it, the, my opponent put it on the battlefield and I looked at it and I said, there literally is not a card in my deck that lets me beat this card. So I have Yikes. to try to kill them, th- race them through it, which is impossible to do or just die and and then hope to beat them in the next game before they can draw it so yeah yeah definitely not fun yeah uh, i I am proud to say i killed a couple thrones this format but it it was a little too pushed and at some point you lose some some game value equity when uh enough people are complaining about a certain card that uh, i I don't know maybe just make it as good but more subtle next time yeah these kinds of cards get me thinking about like how is how would they be able to like release a card in in one form and then like for draft specifically like you only saw it in draft boosters but then like the actual standard legal card was released in set boosters and slightly different i don't know if that would actually work but um i don't know kind of gets me thinking about that kind of stuff like just to just to tweak the cards so they work better for for limited formats but i mean that's kind of what they've been trying with alchemy and just no one touches it <laughs> yeah that's true well alchemy yeah i guess they do try to fix the cards but yeah it's yeah <laughs> yeah and like the uh the alchemy draft formats i haven't fired a single one and i don't Either think way. i ever will next up we have two more brand new inclusions for our chaffees you want to start us with the first one yes yeah, so the first one is the vector the chaffee goes to the vector that makes you sad <laughs> I'm surprised it took us this long to put a vector related Chaffee award in this, but um, yeah, I think this was a unanimous blue black. <laughs> like uh-huh. it was just, it was one that we both looked at and thought, wow, this is cool. You know, we saw the, uh, the signpost uncommon and Voidwing hybrid just looked so fun. Two mana, two one flying toxic one proliferate. When you, when you proliferate, you get to get it back from your graveyard. Like it just felt like it was going to be such an annoying card to deal with. It felt like it set up blue black to be a really fun archetype to play a really fun vector to put together. And it just wasn't like, it was just so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I have an additional reason for, for disliking this vector. Uh, the pros, they tried to bait us, you know, not, not going to name names here, but uh, a handful of particular players kept being like, oh yeah, blue black is actually not that bad. If you do this and this and this and this and this. And 
but for the average player uh to do even half of those things would require like all of their skill all of their thought yeah of course they're the pros they found like the uh what was that card? It was like one of the blue opponent gets a poison counter. They, they were playing, they're posting deck lists there and they're like, look, actually blueback's pretty great. And they had like five copies of that and a bunch of walls and a bunch of like really efficient, good removal spells. And like, yeah, of course they put that together. But for the average like drafter going to an FNM who opens a void ring hybrid and says, oh boy, that looks fun. The deck's just going to suck. So uh, yeah. I, I got a, I got a little extra beef with this one. Not with the pros, uh, because, you know, kudos to them for even finding ways to make these colors playable. Uh, but I, I don't know. That that just kind of irked me. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for every vector, right? There is there is a deck. I mean, I guess if you were to, like, actually chart them out, which I'm sure Sirkovitz has done, but if you actually chart them out, you'll probably see that, like, the best, most optimal versions of every vector's deck there probably is still a best deck and a worst deck, but mm-hmm. or a best vector and a worst vector. But relative to the rest of the playing field and the average deck that people are drafting, there is definitely going to be in every set, there's definitely going to be a best version of a vector that is otherwise a really bad vector that's still going to win you games. Yeah, totally. But putting that together may be like looking at LSV drafting Storm and Vintage Cube. Like he makes it look <laughs> so easy, like it's something that anybody can do. And it's just not. And so that's, it's not, yeah, it might not be that I've realistic tried. to think that, that some of these vectors uh, are that easy to put together, but there are versions of them that work. Yeah. Now uh, on the flip side, a Chaffee for a vector that makes you glad. What have you got? For me, it was red green. And mostly that's because I'm glad that red green got some limelight that wasn't glistening off of treasures. Hmm. We've, yeah. we haven't really had a good red green archetype in a little while that wasn't just like treasure based. And uh, I'm thrilled that this one worked and was relatively mechanically unique yeah often red green has felt uh aimless you know we actually struggled with this in the cube for a while about like what what does red green do besides just like big things and turning them sideways fast like there's got to be more to it we settled on enrage which i think is awesome uh but yeah this is maybe one of the a few times we really got something all its own i mean oil counters that's not something we're going to see again uh yeah we, we can let red green have this one uh, I'm going to go with the probably second best deck in the format behind red, green, red, white, uh, Boros equipment. They actually did it by making these, uh, for Mirrodin. I mean, conceptually name wise, stupid, but it actually played out really great. <laughs> uh, just like ha- having these living weapon type creatures that come with their own equipment. They're, they're natural two for ones. Uh, I, I just found that it worked out really well. And this is another vector that they've tried a bunch before that usually doesn't work, but it did. And it was a nice little throwback to the actual living weapon mechanic, which was what we saw the first time we got to, you know, New Phyrexia and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I liked the mirroring there, but um, yeah, it was a pretty dumb name. Mirror, <laughs> mirror din. Yep. Oh, you, you picked mirror. up on it. Yep. You got it. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Our next Chaffee is the creature you most want as a pet. Uh, I got to go with Solfim Mayhem Dominus. I'm not entirely um, sure this would be a good pet. I'm not entirely sure it's even a creature, uh, more like a, an entity. But I feel like having one of these that was loyal to you would be pretty useful, right? I picked this one because it was the least horrifying out of all the Domini. Wait, so Mayhem Dominus is the black one, isn't it? Oh, it's the red one. Oh, the red one. Um, okay. I don't think I would want... So I actually had trouble with this one because we've talked about this before. This set has something like 10 non-Phyrexian creatures. I don't think I want a Phyrexian as a pet. <laughs> like that just sounds Leaking like an awful oil idea. Of the couch. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, leaking oil, but then always trying to complete you and stuff. Like, oh my gosh, like stop. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Um, this is exactly what got Luca completed in, in the story. This is this is <laughs> like textbook what went wrong for him. He was like, oh, I'll just take a Phyrexian as a pet for like two seconds. And then a minute later, its cables are running through his spine. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what would happen, right? You'd fall asleep and then you're just, you just wake up and suddenly you're all is one. Um, <laughs> that said, the the creature I picked, the chaffy I'm giving for creature I most want as a pet was Thrummingbird, perhaps unsurprisingly. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I had a runner up for mine, Caramonix, the Rat King. Uh, just seems fun conceptually having a giant rat. <laughs> Well, move to New king. York. You'll find plenty of them. <laughs> I hope I never see a true rat king in New York. That would be horrific. But uh, for, for the listeners that don't know, I don't know, Zach, if you heard of this, uh, I, I've only recently learned that rat kings are like a real thing in real life. They are horrifying. I did not know that that was a thing. I think I had heard it, but I just always thought it was like an idiom or something. I'll spare everyone the need to actually look up Google images of this because you don't really want to. It's what happens when apparently the best scientific hypothesis for this is when rats are nesting and they're all kind of like uh, nestled together and their tails accidentally tie together. And it leads to this like big multi-rat rat that's just a bunch of rats attached at the tail. It's very, very terrifying. All right. Next chaffy goes to cards never cast. Now these are some real chaff. Well, uh, some of them at least, uh, uh, some of these are not chaff. Uh, I didn't get to cast a bunch of the mythics because who's passing these things in this format? No one ever. Elish Norn, Atraxa, Nyssa, Tyranax Rex, uh, the Glory Dominus, Mondrak. And I never got to cast Phyrexian Obliterator either, probably because I just kept taking the Phyrexian Vindicators instead. I'm sad about those ones, but uh, I'm not at all sad for having never cast Norn's Wellspring, Encroaching Mycosynth, uh, Conduit of Worlds, the Filigree Silex, Kethek Crucible Goliath. Monument to Perfection, Staff of Completion. I never cast any of this junk, and honestly, it's for the best. But how many of them were passed to you? <laughs> oh, oh, very many. Very, I had many opportunities, but I denied them all. I mean, like, Staff of Completion, yeah. I didn't put up play this. They, like, paid six life and then looked at my board and scooped. <laughs> like, not, not a good limited card, I'll say. Yeah. Probably I mean, finds a home or, like, some other constructed formats, but not a good limited card. Yeah, uh, honestly, the, 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 these cards um, are a big reason why this format kind of fell flat for me. I like playing in formats where you're excited to crack the pack and see what it is you're going to get to build around or uh, slam or brag to your friends about. No one's bragging that they opened an encroaching mycosynth or filigree silex. Like, who cares? <laughs> uh, yeah. Whereas it was like, in the mystery boosters, like even during the draft, while I was drafting mystery boosters, we were shouting out like the stuff we were opening because it was sick. It was, it, they were cool cards. Um, not this stuff, though. Yeah, not so much. Uh, for me, I mean, I, as I mentioned, I hardly drafted this format. So pretty much most of them. I, I don't think I cast most of the cards in this format. And I uh, can't say that I'm all that disappointed. Next up is the Chaffee for Draft Chaff and Cube Inclusions. This is something we've recently tried to add in, make sure we talk about cards from every set that we're thinking about considering or thinking thinking about putting into the Draft Chaff Cube. This was a tough one. This, this set was tough because, as Ben mentioned earlier, so many of the archetypes or so many of the mechanics, rather, in this format are kind of parasitic. They're something that are just inclusive to this format. And so in, including them in a cube environment is is pretty difficult. I will say there were a few that probably fit in pretty well. Ben, you mentioned a couple on uh, this 
this sheet that we put together. Um, something like Chimney Rabble could get slotted in, but is just so like generic that we probably won't bother. Um, I could see a case for Hazardous Blast getting put in this this format because there are mm. some decks in the Draft Shaft Cube that care about um, trying to just like basically bum rush your opponent and um, Hazardous Blast does a good job of that. I think we have some cards like Hazardous Blast in the format already, so we may not mm-hmm. include that, but it, it might be a better version of those cards, so something to look at. What did you have? Uh, I had Planar Disruption uh, as an upgraded pacifism. The fact that this can shut off Planeswalkers, of which we have some of the junk ones in our cube, uh, kind of for fun, that, that'd be a cool little upgrade. Blazing Crescendo would fit pretty well into our Boros Heroic deck. This is the uh, plus three, plus one that exiles your top card. You can cast it. Um, that, that, that'd be a good way to give Red White some card advantage. I'm looking at Argentum Mastercore. I don't know. It might just be too generically good. That's the uh, five mana, five, five first striker. And you sack it unless you discard a card every turn. But then you can do something where like you you like deal damage equal to that thing's mana value. I mean, we have a madness deck, but this might just be be too much. I mean, just a five mana, five, five first strike. I, I don't know. It, none of, it doesn't really get me excited. I'm not really stoked to put it in. Honestly, planar disruption might be one of the few to actually make it. Yeah, I was hoping at the beginning of the format when we looked at like the spoiler, I was hoping that there was going to somehow be room for something like Mind Splice Apparatus to make it in because we do have a blue-red free casting vector, but it just it's too oil counter specific and we don't have like a proliferate sub theme anywhere. So I, I just don't see it happening. But yeah, yeah there, were, we there were cards I wish we could have made made it work. But maybe if we ever decide to completely revamp the cube again, we turn blue green into a uh, like an infect deck. That would be pretty cool. Mm. All right. It's time for our infamous Would You Rather, which has undergone many iterations throughout the years. Now we've got a pretty good one. Would you rather have had this entire set replaced by Shadows Over Innistrad Remastered or have the 50-50 split of what we have now? So like one is deleted. It never existed. Forget the lore implications. We just never got the draft with it. Uh, and we had shadows this entire time instead with like a longer week schedule, like maybe it was the, the weekly things rotated in and out every two weeks or every three weeks or something like that instead, or have what we have now where we got to experience one for a bit and now get to experience shadows for a bit. Uh, yes, sir. I'll take the sir. <laughs> um, I think I, I, I will say, I think, I think that there is a place for a format like this as a palette cleanser because, We've had a, a chain of pretty good formats. I would rather have this set than like an absolutely abysmal format because like we've talked about in a previous episode, this this format wasn't entirely abysmal. Like it was okay to start off. It was just a kind of a meh format. If this was the only draft format we ever got for the rest of time, I don't know how much longer I would play Magic, but like I would still draft it, I guess. Like it, it's not the worst set we've ever had to draft. That said, mm-hmm. Sir seems really fun and... um. I care about Innistrad a lot more than I care about Phyrexia. So um, that that has a lot of uh, reasons why, or like a lot of weight as to why I would want to uh, just draft Sir. And I really like the rotational aspect of Sir. That was like a, a cool little um, piece that I kind of wish was part of almost every format. Just mm-hmm. having those like sets of cards that rotate in and out to kind of change things up every now and then. Imagine if like Nuka Penna had that. We drafted Nuka Penna for so long. Oh, yeah. Imagine if they just gave us like little little chunks of cards that we could that they could insert to like swap the format up. That would have been great. I think I'd just rather have Sir than one overall. Or maybe they could have just removed brokers. You know, just <laughs> all of just it. Entirely. Remove <laughs> remove all the bant colors. Just get rid of them. Yeah. Uh I wrote one thing. I think I'm gonna say another I think I'm happy we had this. I think I'm happy we had this split because I don't think I would have appreciated shadows as much if we hadn't had this low point, you know, like 
I don't think an eight out of 10 set feels good immediately following an eight out of 10 set. Eh, bro, might have been closer to seven. I don't know. Uh, whereas following like a four out of 10 set, an eight out of 10 feels especially good. So, right. That's kind of what I meant when I said, like, I like having the palate cleanser. Like, it, yeah. it, there is something to be said about having a format that just isn't a total banger to separate out bangers. Now, I will say, if, um, if Ma- uh, March the Machine turns out to be a four out of 10 set, I'll be pretty sad. Two four out of 10 sets in a row is pretty awful. <laughs> I don't think that's possible. <laughs> Doesn't look like it's going to be, but hey, you never know. Speaking of which, let's wrap up our final thoughts on the format. Uh, big picture, this is one. Eh, eh, of the most forgettable sets in recent memory. Um, if this comes back on flashback, I'm not going to draft it. And that's not really, that's not really good. That's saying something. Cause I always do the flashback ones. I love a good throwback draft. Um, I, I will say this set feels kind of like it had to happen. Like, almost like it was shoehorned in like wizards was like, all right, we need like the big, like multiverse battle, uh, set in, in, uh, March the machine. And we know we're getting the flashback history set of uh, Brothers War, but there's got to be something in between there. And then it feels like they just filled in the gaps. Um, I don't know. It even feels like that kind of happened in some of the limited uh, gameplay designs. It just uh, didn't feel like it had the usual level of polish. Uh, just a little, little little rough around the edges. You know, it's, it's whatever. Uh, still very draftable, still very playable. Uh, had, had some fun doing it, but uh, there was a, a, a lower ceiling uh, to the fun on this set than there usually is. So... Uh, won't be playing it ever again. And that's that. Yeah. I, I generally just tend to agree with everything you said. I, I think it's an, in, it's interesting the way you describe that with, uh, thinking this was kind of an afterthought as something they just threw in the, in between March and, um, bro. I didn't really think about that, but in hindsight, you mentioning it that way makes total sense. If that's how they did it. Like I could totally see somebody saying like, well, what if we like went back to brother's war just to like kind of set the stage for the Phyrexians invading the entire multiverse. And then someone was like, okay, great. But like, we can't go from all the way in the past to, Hey, they invaded the multiverse. (laughs) Yeah. It's a big jump. So we need to do something in the middle. And then we talked in the beginning of the format when we were doing like the format breakdown and such about how, um, similar all the mechanics in this set were like everything revolved around counters. There was proliferate oil counters, toxic, right? Everything was about Mm -hmm. counters. And we had talked about the, that, the worry of that making like all the vectors feel the same. I think they dodged that bullet. Like mm-hmm. the vectors did actually feel unique within the context of the format, but what then became abrasive and was like a problematic piece of the, of the, um, of the format was that the draft, the decks kind of drafted themselves. You like opened a pack and you just knew what card you had to pick because well, that's the vector you're in and, and nothing else works. Like there was no real overlap. And then that was compounded by the fact that there were just so many bad rares in this set that you never really wanted to open a pack. <laughs> you were just miserable about yeah. opening packs because uh, the rares were so bad. So I wonder if they had just like replaced some of the bad rares that are just not not good limited cards. Like they didn't need to make a bunch of bombs, but if they just replaced the really bad limited cards with like a handful of rares that were like fine limited cards, I think that would have really changed things up. Yeah, you bring up a good point. This set had some of the tightest and narrowest vectors that we've ever seen in Modern Limited. Uh, Just very few cards with cross vector applicability. Uh, Often cards had exactly one home or exactly one place where they were best. And the few that had multiple homes were usually the hyper bombs that you know, everyone was going to take first anyway and, and never pass. So I think this is something that we struggle with with our cube for a bit. 
we got this feedback and we fixed it, right? We incorporated a whole bunch more cards that had interesting multi-vector synergy, uh, th- things that could have played well in, in different vectors. Uh, so maybe your drafts play out differently each time because you get to use a card in a different context each time you play with it. Uh, maybe a card that involves both, I don't know, attacking and counters. Maybe you uh, focus on it more in an attacking deck in one time, but then you have more of a counters oriented deck the other time. So uh, it, it recontextualizes the cards and kind of gives them new life. That that was not the case in this set at all. So uh, a little one note, I guess you could say. You're the worst. <laughs> all right. Well, so that puts one behind us. Let's move on to two. What are we looking forward to in the next set? <laughs> Oh man, everything, uh, everything. It it looks nuts. Uh, the team up cards are so fun. Like the fact that how many years have they been doing this? Like 30 now. And they're still coming up with like like, fun, interesting, unique designs like this. Uh, I specifically like that. They are taking these car, these creatures that we're all familiar with and they found ways to mechanically smush them together. That, 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 that just feels amazing. Like they all scratch the good itch in like the magic player game. Like, Oh, like I, I get this reference, you know, I get what's going on here, but not in such like an overt and stupid way that it doesn't really, that it breaks the game or breaks the card or something like they're cool. They're big, they're flashy, but they all have interesting and unique gameplay designs. Like the, we were talking before about the, the dragon, like Zergo and Ojitai perfectly captured Tarkir, right? Like dash dragons. And uh, they don't actually say it on them, but mechanically they capture it. I also noticed a lot of the uh, like keywords from different sets showing up even just like once or twice. Uh, there's this, I think like one or two cards with kicker, just not the rest of them. Uh, we're getting basic land cyclers, which we mentioned up at the start of the show. That is a good sign. Um, that means you're going to like be able to fix your mana early, uh, and, and probably do some pretty wacky stuff with, you know, reanimating if there's any of those, uh, reanimate those like big five or six drops that go in um, basic land cycle. Um, and, and also notably, this is a set that has common gain lands at, at common, at common, common gain lands. Those are always the best sets. Kamigawa had these, right? Um, th- 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 that's a good sign. I'm looking forward to what they, what they've cooked up here. Also, it's a big set. There are like seven, eight, nine drops that you could pretty reasonably cast. Yeah, it's looking really exceptional. I'm very curious how design went down for this set because traditionally the like design folks do a really good job of putting together a set that mechanically feels like a home. Like it feels like the plane that it's centered in. Hmm. And this set has to cover a lot of planes. So I'm very curious how it's going to feel in terms of just, just getting the cards in front of you and and playing with them and uh, whether it's going to feel like a cohesive set or not. I will also add that I love that this set gives, this is not a limited thing, but I'm going to throw it in here anyway. This set gives a really great excuse to print a bunch of really cool legends for commander without having the, oh, you just planted this here for Commander. Because obviously, if you're going to do like a big <laughs> multiverse, like a whole set on multiverse stuff, I don't care about the random like non-legend creatures. Like, show me the legends because we're putting a ton of planes together. I want to see all the legends from those planes. And they got away with a lot of that extra. Like, they did extra of that because they smashed legends together and put them in one card. So that was fun. Um, but the, 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 like, the, the archetypes, the vectors we're looking at so far look really fun. I mean, come on. Blue-red free casting. I'm just saying like we may, we did it first. Um, it's not exactly free casting, <laughs> yeah. but they, they did con- blue red convoke, which is, which is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm already starting to see some top comments. I'm excited to, to, to dive into this one next week. 
I will say I learned a lot of, of cool stuff about the multiverse through this. Um, even through some of the plane chase cards that have been spoiled for the commander sets, uh, some really interesting other planes that we haven't seen very often. I mean, we see Innistrad all the time, um, and I'm not going to complain about that, but it kind of reminded me, like, oh, man, I think what are there? There's like 36 battles in this set, I think, something like that. Uh, oh, that's really? each of uh, each planes. Yeah, every single one of those is a unique plane. Like Teo's plane, uh, Teo the, the shield mage. There's like a whole plane full of like shield mages, and it, apparently there's shield mages there because it rains diamonds. Like that, that's interesting. Let's see what's going on there. Uh, another couple planes with these. Honestly, I think some of the plane chase arts are incredible. Uh, I, I highly recommend everyone go check those out. But uh, I actually, even didn't just know they printed uh, new plane chase cards. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it fits pretty well with the kind of multiversal theme. Uh, so that, that'll be a cool way to play commander. If, if you go check those out, uh, there's, I think it's, it's, uh, I have no idea what the plane's called. It's almost like an entire plane that's made of like a rooftop canopy. I, I think horizon canopy and edge of autumn, uh, and some other cards are like supposed to be set on that plane. Some of the old future site ones, um, that, that, that's really interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking forward to going to some of those places in the near future and, uh, uh, finding out what's going on there instead of our usual rotation of, of Ravnica and Innistrad. Yeah, that actually got me thinking, um, and this was something that, that popped into my head earlier in the format or earlier in the, the episode and I forgot to, to mention it, but I am very curious, like I'm kind of glad to see, again, spoiler alert, I suppose, um, kind of glad to see all these like massive big bad enemies that we've seen in Magic for a long time get kind of eradicated. I'm ready for mm, something new. Yeah. I'm ready for like the new big bad. Like, let's see where they can take this from a, a creative standpoint, from a story standpoint. Like, what are they going to do that isn't Eldrazi and isn't Phyrexians and isn't Nicol Bolas? <laughs> I have a theory. There is someone who's been conspicuously absent from this storyline. A certain planeswalker. Right. Gideon's up to something. It <laughs> <laughs> does start with the same letter. Uh, someone else who's been conspicuously absent, but uh, especially for for this you know uh, a whole thing with planeswalkers everywhere and uh, a, a multiversal threat you'd think a certain huntsman would would have jumped right in to take down atraxa but who knows I mean, he might well, be the next also big we, bad yeah we haven't seen anything from um well i guess we do have i think there are some cards in the set from uh oh gosh i can never remember the name of the plane the the one that will and rowan are from or not not from, oh um, yeah uh kylum right kylum is is presented somewhere i think there's a battle for Kylum in Invasion. Yeah, there is. Uh, uh, are you looking for Eldrain or? Eldrain. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was the last time we saw Garrick. So. Yeah. Right. Curious what he's up to. I don't know. It's probably nothing good. Uh, yeah. No. Seeing some of these other Planeswalker home planes are, are pretty cool. Uh, and and Xerex uh, and some of the other commons around it seem to imply that it's like a reality bending plane where like you can't trust your vision and like everything is shifting constantly. Like that seems really interesting. Uh, clearly that there's a lot more to see out there. Yeah. I'm very curious, like how many of these they just had on a list already that they just haven't made the, they haven't been able to visit in terms of making sets for and how many of them they had to make up for this set. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. So specifically in some of the plan chase cards, uh, a few that caught my attention, the Enigma ridges on Echoir or Eshoir. We've never heard of this plane before, uh, and these are, are really interesting. Uh, the Fertile Lands of Sol- Salvinia, just incredible art there. Um, honestly, one of my favorites I've seen in the game in a, in a long time. The plane is on Antosia. Just again, we've never heard of this. <laughs> uh, also, another one of my favorites, In His Hand 
on the plane of Criti, Crite, again, just never heard of this. So like th- three of the most striking things that I've seen, uh, also New Argive has, has some really, really cool art. I, I wouldn't have thought that New Argive looked like that. Um, Pagliano, kind of looking like a massive city. Uh, pretty cool to see. The pit on the plain of the abyss. What, what is what is that? Ten Wizards Mountain on Shen Meng? What? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, and um, Gobakan, the Western Cloud. Yeah, that's that's Tay of the Light Shield's home plane. Uh, no idea what's going on there. Or the Aether Flumes, uh, Aether Flues, Iquitana. Like, they just pull these out of nowhere. Yeah. Really cool. I mean, I, I kind of always anticipated that they had like some sort of uh, just list of all the planes that exist in the multiverse or maybe most of the planes that exist in the multiverse. Um, and we just haven't made it to most of them. But but this opens up. I mean, it, it kind of makes me sad that we've stuck with the like the uh, the gate watch for so long. Like, why haven't we explored all these other these others sort of planes all over the place instead of I mean, it's great to return to ones we love, right? Like you said, never going to complain about going back to Innistrad, never going to complain about um, that kind of like going back to planes that we love Zendikar and stuff like that. I mean, we did complain about Zendikar that one time because it was a bad set, but um, (laughs) you know what I mean? But, but there is so much room for them to open up and really do some new stuff. So um, very excited to see where we go. And we do, we're kind of getting to the end of the list of known sets that are coming out like they did just re- like tell us where we're going um for i think the next year or so but like past that we don't really know what's happening and obviously this story completely opens up now because we've we've ended this like multi-year storyline so yeah uh, again for those out there that also are interested in this i recommend just going to the plane chase spoilers looking through them all we didn't even name all the new planes that we haven't seen yet i will say that they also have They've they've made some pretty big story hits here. Uh, A lot of major characters have been killed off in some way. A a lot of kind of side legends. uh, There's a a common that features Sir Rolf, the Realm Eater, getting beheaded by by the featured creature. Uh, It looks like Tyvar manages to kill Koma, the the world serpent. Uh, A lot of other like kind of shakeups, right? Uh, It also looks like from our uh, aftermath, little... um, I guess like key arts that have been spoiled. Looks like Nahiri ends up getting uncompleted as with, uh, you know, Nissa and Ajani. So interested to see where that goes, but you know, there, there also were some other planeswalker casualties and there's a bunch of planeswalkers that are unaccounted for. So who knows where that's going to go? I mean, uh, no story spoilers yet, but Jace, I mean, well, you did just give some story spoilers, but okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, we'll as far as those guys. That in our flavor town shows. Yeah, true. Oh, so one other little side topic here. Uh, at this art show I went to over the weekend, I ran into Donato Giancola, who I've seen at that same art show for several years. Uh, I had him sign some some cards of mine, specifically my Skyclave Apparitions. Uh, got my full art signed. Uh, this year, I got him to sign a Solemn Simulacrum, of which he did one of the newer arts for. Uh, but he, he's a fantastic magic artist. Um, you can look up Donato Arts and uh, on, on Scryfall or something and see all the ones that he's done. But really, really fantastic stuff. Uh, I was just chatting with him about like how he's worked for Wizards and the stuff that he's done. He has a couple coming out in the new set. One that he did in the new set is the uh, Shark Typhoon Shark. It's like the Phyrexian Shark. That's uh, It's got like seed pods that come out of it. I think it incubates. Pretty sure it's on Aquaria. I don't know. It, it's another uh, like Shark Typhoon reference. But anyway, uh, as I was talking to him, I found out something really interesting. He's also done official art for Lord of the Rings before. Uh, in addition to just like Magic Gathering. And I found out that he's not actually doing any art for the for the Lord of the Rings set, which I found 
preposterous because I actually bought a, a huge Lord of the Rings print from him. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and I was thinking like, well, wait, they had this guy that's done official Lord of the Rings art as a magic artist and they didn't have to do anything. And so I asked him why. Turns out every single art piece from uh, the Lord of the Rings set is digital. No, no uh, traditional hand uh, drawn, um, or like pen and paper type. So I don't know. I thought that was an interesting note and, and maybe not something that was known <laughs> before me asking. Uh, you know, digital art is also fantastic and and many of our favorites have been digital, but that was kind of a uh, kind of strange that they wouldn't you know utilize such a fantastic traditional artist to do this that is interesting it kind of makes me feel that it was a like a mandate by wizards that like hey we only want digital art for this set maybe that makes it easier for them to port it into arena i think the lord of the rings mm, set's gonna be, be on arena it is um, yeah but it but it is it is kind of different because remember the first time we got sagas the sagas the art for the sagas like some people like did wooden carvings and just took photos yeah. of the wooden carvings and that made it onto a card so that's very true. different um, very different approach I guess to the set that kind of interesting well that about does it for us this week thank you so much for listening again if you're not already in it definitely check out the Discord stop by say hi drop some questions in the listener question channel brag about your trophy decks all sorts of stuff remind Ben that he didn't win this arena open. <laughs> Or don't, or don't. <laughs> uh, and if you like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft pod. Huge, huge thanks to all of our continued supporters over there. And then you can find us on social media at, on Twitter at draft pod. Thanks folks. And we'll catch you next week. All right. So I may not have won the arena open, but I can still put up some pretty decent results. Uh, I was actually looking around on some of the, the trophy leaders and just like the general win rate leaders on uh, on 17 lands. And I noticed something. Uh, I'm actually in the top 20 for a good number of, of match wins by uh, for quick draft specifically, which makes sense. Um, for a good amount of time, I spent most of my, my gems and stuff on quick drafting because I just kind of wanted to you know, get a, a draft in here or there between grading or that type of thing. Since then, I've been swapping a lot more to best of three, but, you know, quick draft is still pretty great for leveling. So uh, I have here a bit of a guessing game for the listeners. Uh, for each of these that's right, well, uh, I've got an arena code to send. Although two of you are going to have to wait until we get our arena codes from this next pre-release. But I have two ready to go. So I, I've been, uh, I placed fourth in one of these, 21st in one of these, ninth in one of these and 12th in one of these this is for overall match wins and obviously you could cheat and look at them but you know don't <laughs> I, I i guess it's a giveaway so it doesn't really matter uh and those formats um in no particular order zendikar rising midnight hunt crimson vow and dominara united so listener at this point you kind of know what i like uh Go ahead and take your best guess in Discord and maybe in the random channel. If you can guess all these correctly, I'll send you an arena code. 